Hi, I'm Stuart. Welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. It's great to have you with us today. Don't forget to like and share our service and subscribe on our YouTube channel or in your favourite podcast app so that you don't miss any of our services. Hop over to our website at st-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk for more information about who we are and what's happening. You can sign up for our email newsletter while you're there and get all our latest news delivered straight to your inbox. Just a reminder that on our website you can also find ways to give to St Ninians during these difficult times. There's a donate button or you can make a bank transfer, send a cheque or if you use weekly envelopes then we can arrange to have those collected. Your help is very much appreciated. Next Sunday, that's the 29th of August, we'll share in communion. So if you would like to join us, you're very welcome. You should have some bread and wine or a suitable alternative ready. This week, we come to a pretty important moment in Matthew's story of Jesus. Jesus and his friends are far from home when a couple of very important questions come up. We read from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. It's all been leading up to this question. Who do they say that I am? Over the past weeks, we've followed the ups and downs of Jesus' band of followers as they've watched and witnessed and been right in the middle of some amazing and often puzzling events, miracles and healings and teaching, all of it revealing piece by piece a picture, each part being placed to show us an emerging image of who Jesus might be. We've discovered that location, where things happen, is important to the person writing the Gospel of Matthew. These places are part of the story. They tell us something about what's happening. Jesus and his disciples have travelled all the way to the city of Caesarea Philippi in the north. It's a Roman city named to honour Caesar Augustus in 14 AD. You can imagine how that went down with the locals. Because it was a garrison town, where the Roman legions were based, it was unlike any other town or city in the area. Caesarea Philippi was full of temples to Roman gods. It was a cosmopolitan city, people coming and going, travelling to Lebanon or Egypt or stopping off on the way to what would now be Syria or Jordan. It was about the least Jewish place they could have been. And given that Matthew's Gospel is the most Jewish of the four Gospels, then it has to be important. In the middle of all of this stuff, all these choices... All these claims for your attention and your belief and your devotion, Jesus poses a question about his own identity. Who do the people say I am? The answer is a bit odd. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
That's a bit like saying any new footballing talent that comes through is the new Pele or the new Maradona or the new Messi or Ronaldo. It's something that we do, isn't it? We compare something new to people who have had similar characteristics or skills or attributes. Rather than actually answer the question, who are they? We answer the question, who are they similar to? That's partly because answering that question helps us to place a person in a particular category. By saying Jesus is like John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, people are saying he's a prophet, which is fine. He is like the other prophets. He does behave like them in some ways. And recognising Jesus as a prophet shows that they think he's a man of God, a person with a message for the people. It's the answer we would probably expect, because it's all they've seen of him. In the same way that all I know about Messi or Ronaldo is what I've seen of them in a football match or an interview, I don't know them. I don't know what kind of people they are, I don't know what's important to them, I don't know anything about their personality or their beliefs or what they might be good at apart from football. So when Jesus asked his followers, who do you say that I am, we might expect a slightly different answer, a bit more depth, a bit more nuance, an understanding of what Jesus is really like. But Peter jumped straight in, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's not a description of skills or attributes. It's not a miracle worker, teacher, prophet. Peter says you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's the real answer about who Jesus is, not what he can do. Identity is a huge issue for us today. The question who are we bubbles away under the, the surface of almost every conversation we have. Identity is at the heart of the two big political issues of our time, Brexit and the Scottish independence question. Those issues are in part determined by how we see ourselves, what we think our identity is. We often define ourselves in relation to other people. I'm part of that group, but I'm not one of them. One of the big problems for people of faith is that to identify as a Christian is to be risk being grouped along with people who you'd rather not have anything to do with. In the same way, our Muslim brothers and sisters are often grouped and labelled as something they are not. Questions of gender and race, marital status, sexual orientation, they're all at the fore at the moment. The struggle to be free to define ourselves is both fascinating and important because it asks questions about our categories, our definitions and where they come from and why they are and are not important. And part of that debate is about qualities or behaviours that we attach to one category which are then used by people in a different category. When women started to wear trousers, people were horrified because women wore skirts. How would we be able to tell the difference? It turns out that argument was about something else. Something much deeper. It was about the dominance of men. Peter identifying who Jesus is not only says something important about Jesus, it identifies Peter too. If Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, then Peter is a follower of the Messiah. There in the middle of this pagan city, among the temples of the Roman gods, Peter declares not just who Jesus is, but also who he is. I know who you are, and I'm your follower. My identity is tied up with yours. We are asked the same question. Who do we say Jesus is? And their answer matters because it says something important about who we are. Who we are is important. How we define ourselves matters. Jesus' response to Peter is fascinating. Great! Finally you get it. At last you understand. And now that you do, you're ready for the next step. You're the one that will lead the rest forward. But don't tell anyone else who I am yet. But why not? Why not tell anyone else? It's a good question. 
with at least two answers. The first and most immediate problem is that by saying out loud that Jesus is the Son of God, Peter could be accused of blasphemy. And that's a crime punishable by death and nobody wants that. The second answer is that it took Peter ages to realise who Jesus was. He had lots of work to do to get there. He had to try and fail and almost drown to hear those harsh words that he had little faith before he finally got it. One of the things that happens sometimes when we are learning something new is that we become an instant expert. We know a little and we think we know a lot. Or we discover a new way of doing something and we want to change the world at that very moment. Tomorrow's far too late. What we forget in our enthusiasm is either that other people have made those discoveries from themselves and realised that some things work and some things don't work in a particular context, or that people just aren't ready for those ideas yet. The people haven't seen all the things that Peter has seen. How could they possibly understand? And much, much more has still to happen. Sometimes we're scared to share what we've discovered about Jesus because of what people might say or think or do to us. Sometimes, in our enthusiasm, we rush in. and We don't understand why people aren't as excited as we are. Sharing our faith is important. But it's not any more important than doing the work of discovery for ourselves. Peter had more to learn. Much, much more. And some of the lessons would be bruising. And even at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus appears to the disciples on a mountain, we read that some still had doubts. They had work still to do, and discoveries still to make. My friend Liz Crumlish puts it this way. Who do you say I am? asked Jesus. And in our response to that question lies the secret. Not just of our recognition of the Son of God, but of our own identity. How we define the Messiah belies how we define ourselves. Are we prepared to embrace our power, our vulnerability? Are we prepared to voice our doubts and our certainty? Are we prepared to be the sassy, mouthy, provocative beings we're created to be? Are we prepared to be too much for some and not enough for others? Are we prepared to delight and to disappoint? Created in the image of God who names us beloved and who calls us to bring our whole selves and nothing less into the arena. The question, who do you say I am, demands that we answer. Who do you say you are? And then to step up and step into our change-making role, holding space for all our sisters and brothers, for all the changing and the healing of the world. Who we say we are matters. Let's join in prayer. Creator God, we gather today in hope and expectation. We come to you as we are, overwhelmed by your actions and in awe of your mercy. We lay at your feet our whole being, everything that we are and everything that we have. We gather together all over the world 
to declare Christ as the Messiah, our Saviour, our guide, our way, our life and our truth. We remember that we, your church, are built on a solid foundation of rock. And through your love, we will never fail. We gather enveloped by your Holy Spirit to draw close to you and to each other in praise of you and in thanksgiving, spurred into action by your life-giving presence, emboldened to love our neighbours as ourselves, prepared to preach your holy word to the world. We gather as one body, often of broken parts, but seeking to do your work, praying for forgiveness when we fail, to do what we can to live as you have told us, asking for support when we falter, when we stray from the path of love for all. We ask for boldness to live in your example, to leave behind the trappings of this world, to give ourselves wholly to your mission, to work tirelessly to praise you and love your people. Ever-loving God, we come before you in awe at your majesty and wonder at your works, praising your holy name. This day and every day, God of the sea, land, air and space, we pray for your continuing blessing on our troubled planet. We pray for guidance and support as we continue to bear witness to you in a world where indifference far outweighs passion. We ask for ingenuity and confidence and hopefulness in order to bring your message to our communities and to our world. Loving God, we pray for ourselves, for this community of your beloved children, that we may continue to be a lampstand that allows your light to shine into the world, that we will use all the gifts that you have given us to proclaim your message of love, to live the way that you have told us, and never shy away from the difficulties that come with being a Christian, especially in a time of individualism and fear and persecution. So help us to be faithful, to remain true to your teaching and to bring the light of Christ to each person that we meet. As the summer comes to an end, we pray for all your children, young and old. For those returning to school after the longest break. For those without work. For those with too much work. For those who make sure we have food on our tables. And for those who labour tirelessly. To keep us safe and healthy. We ask for your love and support 
that whatever this new season will bring, they will find peace and surety in you. God of all, we pray for your blessing on all that we are and all that we do, that we may help to build your kingdom today and every day. Amen. We've got a couple of opportunities for you to get together with others to explore some big issues and to get to know the Bible a bit better coming up. Cafe Church is on Tuesday the 25th of August at 7.30pm on Zoom. In Cafe Church we have been watching one of Rob Bell's NUMA videos each week to set us off on a conversation. This time we'll be watching Sunday and thinking about church, what it is, what it should be and, and what it shouldn't be. And starting on the 3rd of September, we'll be digging deeper into Matthew's Gospel. That will be each Thursday from 7.30 on Zoom. We'll take the passage from the service and dig into it a bit more, as well as finding out a bit more about Matthew's story of Jesus. Details of how to join in both Cafe Church and Digging Deeper are on the website and our Facebook page. I hope that you can join us. Yeah.